Hello, and welcome to episode 4 of the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, the YouTube channels of Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo. Great video content for great video games. Check it out, and don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Good evening, everybody, and we have finally arrived. The last weekend of the NBA regular season is upon us, and a lot of things have happened over the past week, probably more than I've seen in the past few months when it comes to landscaping of the NBA and just figuring out where we're going to be seeing everybody into the postseason. As you know, I've been going back and forth with the Los Angeles Lakers and their hopes for the playoffs. They actually were eliminated Tuesday against the Phoenix Suns in a brutal collapse in the second half of that game from the Los Angeles roster as the Suns who had been red hot all year when that won 121 to 110. And a lot of speculation has come from after that game from not only the roster and the players of the Los Angeles Lakers, but also just the fan base of Los Angeles that's really curious of what this team's going to look like next year. They were talking about Vogel possibly being fired, and they actually just saw a source earlier that they said that Vogel will be fired at the end of this year. However, the GM for Los Angeles will stick with the Lakers, which I find very curious knowing that their GM in front office doesn't really do much for that team besides listen to LeBron. And for what I know of, on trade deadlines, they go to Disneyland for their little vacation. I think we saw Palinka over there on getting a snow cone or whatever, like a or one of those salted like pretzel things or whatever. I mean, I'm not too familiar with carnival food. I haven't been to a carnival for a while. But let me tell you, though, that front office is a joke. And the Los Angeles Lakers team, unfortunately, the only people talking for them is the players. And you've seen it from Russell Westbrook throughout this year, how frustrating it is. And another thing about Russell Westbrook is that, as I said before, with the new roster possibly coming up next year that the fans are interested in, there are sources now, not Woj or Sham type of, you know, confirmed sources. However, there are sources that Russell Westbrook is a favorite to go to the Charlotte Hornets, which I don't really feel like that would be a good move for Russell in his career right now, just because of LaMelo and Rozier actually having a phenomenal connection over there as the two guards starting. And then, of course, Isaiah Thomas. You don't really want that guy to lose minutes as an NBA fan. I'm sorry. I love the little guy's story, and I think that he's a phenomenal player to watch and just the grit and grind he has to get back in the NBA. I would would just hate to see it tarnished because they want to give Russell minutes. So hopefully that doesn't come to that, but... That's what it looks like for Los Angeles Lakers as they go into the postseason to Cancun instead of the play-ins. And that will basically wrap up for the playoff and play-in seeding for at least of teams that are eligible to go in. So that means that the Spurs are confirmed for a play-in spot. Now, specifically, they are two games behind New Orleans, and this is going to be the last weekend of the NBA regular season, so it looks like they're going to stick with that 10th spot. However, if we look all the way to the Eastern Conference, it's really, really challenging to say there's any type of confirm for the seeding right now because we're still waiting on Brooklyn, we're still waiting on Atlanta, and we're still waiting on Cleveland to win out their games and lock in that 7th seed or 8th seed or ninth seed. I mean, for example, Brooklyn and Atlanta are both on a kind of a winning streak. You know, Brooklyn won two straight. Atlanta is just starting with one win. But still, it's so close. They're both right now 10 games behind the first seed Miami Heat. So they're tied right now. And Brooklyn does have that record breaker 
for the regular season as they were 2-1 and one against Atlanta this year. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are only a game ahead of Brooklyn. And that's why tonight's game, tonight being April the 8th of 2022, we're going to have the Cavaliers going out to Barclays Center in Brooklyn to face off the Nets to see who reclaims that 7th seed. And honestly, whoever really wins that game is most likely going to keep that 7th seed. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind. Cleveland's been playing phenomenal. Brooklyn's been playing phenomenal. And, of course, Brooklyn late this year, thanks to the Harden and Ben Simmons trade, bringing in more depth for that Brooklyn Nets roster and their bench. They've been playing as an actual team now instead of just relying on a couple of guys and having the G League players just pull up whenever an injury occurs to one of the superstars of Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving going back and forth with, of course, the COVID restrictions. And now he's full throttle. And some people say that he's playing somewhat of a mediocre type of level uh, be just because of the games he's having back-to-back. -back. However, for me right now, I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing a 40-point game from Kyrie here and there. I'm seeing that Kyrie Irving offensively is a stud still, even with a lot of rest time that he had. But you have to admit, it's it's pretty good timing. It is pretty good timing. Just a little bit right before the regular season ends, and Brooklyn has their starters all there besides Ben Simmons, who is most likely not going to make it to the postseason. There are saying that there's speculation of him making the play-in and possibly if they go through the first round, which is most likely what's going to happen compared to the competition they have to face, we would see Ben Simmons there. But that would be interesting too because that would mean that either Ben Simmons will be coming off an injury, sluggish, and might even not even get a lot of playing time just because of uh, his injury might affecting him. How Or we could see Ben Simmons full throttle into the mix 30 minutes a game on that starting lineup and working as a three or four position. Now that would be interesting. Whoever they face in the first round, that would be interesting to see if he does make it in time for the playoffs. But with that being said of the playoffs, we have no idea what's going to happen between that play in positions for the Eastern conference. Cleveland could easily lose their last games and drop all the way to the ninth seed. Brooklyn can win all their games, the remaining, I believe they only have two games remaining in the season, and they can win all those games and make it to the seventh seed. Or, funny enough, Atlanta could go on a crazy winning streak, and Charlotte, the Hornets at the tenth seed, only two games behind Cleveland right now. So, in other ways, Cleveland loses all their games, and Brooklyn loses all their games, Atlanta loses all their games remaining in the season, and Charlotte goes on a tear. They could possibly make it out. They can make it out to the seventh seed. But who knows? Honestly, I think Brooklyn Nets losing all their games and being a lock for the eighth seed if they go drop to nine or ten would be a better, you know, outcome than seeing Charlotte make it all the way to the top two, seven and eight seats. But that's what we're looking at right now. We're looking at a possible scenario where we can see either the Brooklyn Nets play Miami. If they make it all the way down to the ninth and tenth seed, that will lock them in with the eighth seed. Or we can see them still keep the 8th and 7th seed and win out Cleveland, which it looks like right now they'll be facing in a play-in tournament. Win that game and go against Milwaukee. I don't know about you, but I do not want to play Brooklyn the first round if I'm any of those teams. And Miami, they actually just clinched the Eastern Conference officially the other day because of Philadelphia and Boston losing both on Thursday, which means that no matter what happens, Miami's going to be great. And they've been on the tear five straight weeks of just 
absolute stardom from their players. Tyler Hero having a hell of a year. More or less, probably his best year that we've seen so far on paper. And they're on a five-game win streak going into the postseason. So, I think that Miami wants all the smoke, whoever comes out of that play-in spot. I think that Milwaukee is, it's doable. They're not like last year. However, there's still the Milwaukee Bucks. They still have size. They have a great defensive rotation. Mike Budenhoser knows how to run that team efficiently. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is top three right now in overall scoring leaders, I mean, he's going to make sure that team stays afloat in the playoffs. So it's going to be real interesting what Brooklyn does in the play-in, and let alone where they're going to be seeded out as we go into the last weekend of the NBA just because of anything can happen. The 10th seed could be the 7th seed in a matter of two days. So make sure you look out for that, and I'll probably discuss more into it before the play-in on our Monday episode. Now, going past that, we have to talk about what the Joker did. Jokic of the Denver Nuggets is actually the first player, believe it or not, out of the 75 year of the NBA, the first player to go 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in a season. Which is crazy to me just because Wilt Chamberlain played in this league. You know what I mean? Man scored 100 points, 50 points a games, like 40-something rebounds, I'm pretty sure, at one time. And he never got that? I mean, I don't know. They might have to check back in the old papers, but... Jokic is the first player to ever do that in the NBA for at regular season. And from a lot of people's standpoint, he's going to be the leader of the MVP race right now. And I actually took upon myself to actually go into the MVP race as of today, Friday. They kind of do this on the NBA.com that they post out every single Friday of top five for the MVP ladder for that key MVP and it looks like they do have Jokic at first, Giannis at second with the Milwaukee Bucks, Joel Embiid with the 76ers at third, and mind you, Joel Embiid currently right now is the point leader for the season. Devin Booker at fourth with the Suns, that is interesting. And then Luka Doncic with the Dallas Mavericks at the fifth spot. Now, there are some things I would adjust. I'll give you my take on it. But... Jokic, Giannis, and Joel Embiid, that's a good top three. Is it my top three? No, but it's a good top three. Jokic is having a phenomenal year this year, obviously, as I said before, breaking records, franchise records, and NBA records. Joel is probably the most solid piece on that Philadelphia roster for the past two to three years, and he looks like he's just getting better with age. Giannis Antetokounmpo, I don't think we've seen his prime yet which is scary enough because Giannis this year has developed not only a three-point shot, but is able to shoot off the dribble, which I think is an underrated skill in any sort of basketball league you are in. Either that be a league in Australia, China, or the United States, whatever it is. If you can score off the dribble, especially at Giannis on a cupo size, you're unguardable. That's Kevin Durant mentality. You pull up off one little crossover way over here to the right, and then somehow you regain the ball like that to shoot it 35 feet from the basket with somebody in your face. Wingspan of like 6'10". It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. However, what I see an MVP award. And I know they say that the award is based off, oh, how's your team record? How is this player performing with your team successfully making it through the playoffs? I say it's the journey. I really do say it's the journey because you can say whatever you want. But... These awards should be based off of just one simple rule. 
It's all about that player's or that coach's journey. And I mean this about any reward. Either that be the uh, Coach of the Year award, or Most Improved Player award, or Defensive Player award. It should be based on that journey, you know? Based on, you know, what did this player look like last year? What did this team look like last year? And what are they doing now? Was it during the season where they had to go against adversity, or did they have to somewhat be like stale for a little bit and this player kept this same exact pace of performing for a couple of years i mean that's the same thing we saw with russell westberg when it was going back and back triple doubles at first we thought it was like you know oh my goodness is jesus walking on water this is the first thing we ever seen ever two straight years triple double average triple double average and then all of a sudden you know we realize yeah he's doing great as an individual as an individual player incredible great stats but is his team winning? Is his team doing something? Are, are they even moving in the rankings right now in the standings? Are they, you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of like where we, you know, have taken that MVP race away from some of the players that have just been phenomenal throughout the year. So I do think it is based on the journey. And I do think that the individual stats definitely have some say to it. I don't think it's just the record. If it was just a record and then, I don't know how Luke got up there. Because you could put Rudy Gobert over him as you're going based on the record. You put John Moran up there if you're going based on the record. But Luke had made that top five spot again. That's from the NBA.com. And this was an article written by Michael Wright from NBA. And that was a top five of Joe Kitsch, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Devin Booker, and Luka Doncic. Now, great list, as I said before. However, the way that I would probably put it down... I'll put it like this. I'm going to go with number five. I'm going to keep it as Luka Doncic. I think that Luka's great. He's averaging at least 28.3 points a game right now. Almost a double-double as he has about 9.2 rebounds a game as well. And if you want to even go further than that, eight-point assist as a forward. I mean, come on. That's pretty impressive. Plus, I actually had the privilege of seeing Luka play live in Brooklyn. I was there for that Brooklyn Nets Dallas Mavericks game that kind of went to that last shot with Spencer Dinwiddie. Just rattling into the rim off a three-point attempt. Still can't believe that happened. Crazy reaction from the crowd. i never seen people scatter as quick as they did. Back to the L train. But Luka Doncic, I feel like, is the Mavericks. I don't feel like the Mavericks really do anything, let alone make the playoffs if they don't have Luka. Because I can't say that Spencer Dinwiddie would be you know, a huge factor in all this if they didn't have Luka. Just because Spencer came in midway through the year after that Porzingis trade with Washington that brought Spencer over to Dallas for this year. But Luka's Doncic, real great player. You can't deny that he's a one-generational talent. Top three player in the NBA in my eyes. And the Mavericks needed him. That's why I feel like he's put there in the top five for me. Now, why is he number five instead of number four, three, two, and one? Just because the other players individually are having better years, and not even that, their teams are becoming better with them. That is why I put down number four just ahead of him is Giannis Antetokounmpo for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Milwaukee has a great year, second seed, and Giannis, as I said before, developing his game. I mean, if they allowed it, I would probably say he's probably in room for the most improved player of the year. But then again, that's just me. You know what I mean? I don't really think you should give that to Giannis just because of how incredible he is that, you know, anybody from his stature can't really improve. But that's what it is. You know, he's averaging almost 30 points a game right now. He's at 29.9 points a game for the year, which is actually a top three in a point leader for averages in the NBA. 11.6 rebounds a game. 
and 5.8 assists a game. So he's already averaging a double-double. All right. He isn't getting a lot of assists, but he's already averaging a double-double. And he made a couple of clutch shots here and there and have been unguardable when he drives into the paint. There's no doubt about that. However, the Milwaukee Bucks have been stale in the top three seeds of the NBA for a long time this year. I mean, I don't even think the Bucks were even below the fifth spot ever since the Washington Wizards took the first seed in, these, in the first two weeks of this NBA season, which I have to say is miraculous to even think about saying that now even though I like the Wizards and everything but I don't think the Wizards franchise is really trying to build a roster to compete for the playoffs so the fact they had the first seed for a while was pretty miraculous but that just tells you Milwaukee has been dominant for this entire year Giannis has been dominant for this entire year there's no denying that but the journey hasn't changed him you know the team even without him it will still take a huge toll, but that team could still win games. They will still be a playoff team easy. There's no doubt in my mind about that. That's why I have Giannis as four. And we go on to the next one here. And this is actually going to be Jokic for the Denver Nuggets. Historic year, breaking records, NBA records, franchise records. But I just don't see it out of Denver. I just don't see it coming out of Denver, an MVP. I don't know why. Either that would just be weird to say that another player besides Carmelo Anthony is actually a great Denver Nugget, but I just don't see that coming out of Denver. I mean, the Nuggets were fighting off the Minnesota Timberwolves for that sixth seed for a majority of the ending of the year. You know? And that's hard. Alright? Minnesota's been having an incredible year so far. And I think that front office has done everything right from the coaching staff, from what they did in the offseason, bringing in Patrick Beverly, and the fact that they have now D'Lo for a whole year. I was looking at D'Angelo Russell's past five years, and he hasn't had a single season with more than 50 games in almost four years, which is insane. I mean, the last time he had like probably a major time on the court was his last time in Brooklyn in 2018. That just tells you how long. Which I really do miss that team. I'm not going to lie to you. Man, D'Lo was just insane on that team. And that roster had the chemistry and the characteristics that they had. I mean, that was just that was just a brotherhood. But besides that, Denver fighting off with Minnesota. Jokic was there for a majority of the time trying to keep that team a lift over. But still, they're 6-4 and four in the last 10. They were going back and forth with Minnesota. They weren't really winning a lot of games. And even though Jokic was doing the best he could... But in reality, it wasn't like Jokic was in the game. They're winning the game. Jokic is in the game. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. He's in. We're good. You know, even with Jokic still on that team and performing the way he is right now this season, it's MVP caliber, his performance. But you take him away from that team. And I just feel like it's going to be the same exact result. I feel like his team and Jokic reflect each other. It's not going to be where Jokic is going to be without him. There's nothing. Without him, there's still something on that Denver roster. So that's why I feel that he should belong to number three down in the middle of that top five because he is having an incredible season. However, his team, his team, I mean, they can survive without him. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And then now we go to the top two. And this was hard for me to go back and forth between the top two. However... In my first episode, I actually went into it based on the argument for Jason Tatum to get MVP. However, I have JT coming in at number two in my top five on this last Friday. 
of the NBA season. Jason Tatum, the Boston Celtics, literally skyrocket stock coming from January all the way to the ending of March and now April just because of Jason Tatum's play. If Tatum was helped for the entire year, Jalen Brown was helped for the entire year, if their guys were all, you know, in a row going down with the new head coach, then I wouldn't give this to Jason Tatum. But the fact that this team literally was the 12th seed a couple of months ago, they had a brand new head coach. They still do. And I believe uh, Adoka is really the fourth Celtic to ever have a 500 win season for his rookie year of coaching. That just tells you something. That comes all from Jason Tatum and that roster and everything like that. But that doesn't happen without Jason Tatum. You take away Jason Tatum from that roster, you still have uh, Jalen Brown, sure. But JB was injured for the majority of the year. And that was one of the things that was against him for the the All-Star break. You know, for voting for All-Stars for the Eastern Conference. That was probably the reason why Garland from the Cleveland Cavaliers made the All-Star team and not Jalen Brown. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I don't even remember if Jalen Brown was even considered a guard during voting, but still, it gives you an idea that that team for the entire season didn't really have firepower the entire way. Either that their two All-Stars were injured or one of the All-Stars was injured or they had some piece there that was gone for a long, minutial time and they were kind of depleting in performance. I think Marcus Smart is a great example of that. He was gone for about a week and that team was below 500 for that week alone. So Jason Tatum comes in there. He's averaging about 33 points a game during this span between January and March as they go on insane winning streaks and have only lost about four or so games within that time span. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal to see, and that doesn't happen without Jason Tatum, who, reminds you, is the youngest 19-year-old in the NBA right now. I'm just kidding. He's like 24, but still, that's a joke that goes around Twitter. And then at number one, Shouldn't be a shock for a lot of people, but Joel Embiid of the 76ers. Now, Philadelphia, it does go against my train of thought when I think of MPP races because Philly has been basically a top four seed probably the entire year. But at the same time, it's been all Joel Embiid. He is the points per game leader in the NBA currently right now. And... It's not even close. I mean, the closest you probably say is Giannis or even LeBron, but still, he's averaging over 30 a game throughout the entire year. He's averaging close to around out 20 rebounds for the entire year. He's averaging probably a majority of his points in the paint and still making it over 50% for the year. He has been on fire all year. He's literally carried that Philadelphia team into the playoffs as we speak. And even with James Harden on the roster now, he still looks like the best player on the court. Which I always find incredible to see because the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid friction was that they needed the paint to secede. Ben Simmons needed to go in there and attack the basket. But Joel Embiid would always be asking the ball down low in the post. And he's an incredible post scorer. Not even that, it's one foot fadeaway. It's miraculous to see for a guy his size. There is no doubt in my mind, though, Joel Embiid is probably going to get the MVP this year. He had literally two straight seasons where he has MVP caliber seasons, and he gets it taken away from Giannis for good reason. For good reason. I mean, Giannis did win a championship 
last year just because of his performance. Plus, not even that, it's the idea that he levitated his team to performing at a championship level with Drew Holiday in Middleton. But still, it is the year for Joel Embiid to capitalize on this. And I think it's probably going to be the last year for Joel Embiid. Because you have Jason Tatum coming up right behind him in the MVP talks, as did say before. Jokic having a career year breaking NBA records. Giannis is only going to get better in the Eastern Conference. Luka Doncic, there's no doubt he's going to be there over there over in the shadows. And not even Devin Booker in the Suns. I mean, come on. 60-plus wins already this season. And Devin Booker is playing lights out, almost averaging 27 points a game. There's no doubt in my mind that this is the year to capitalize for an MVP for Joel Embiid. And with that, that will probably be the last thing I say for the NBA before we get into the play-in. So I'm very excited for Monday's episode. So we'll go into the seating and kind of discuss on who do we think that is going to be into the playoffs out of the play-in and who will probably take home that 7th and 8th spot. But before we go, we usually do end off this podcast with a little bit of something outside of the NBA. And we're going to go straight into films again. I have to say, it's a Morbius sweep out there. I've looked around Twitter. People are saying that the new Morbius movie from Marvel, which is about, I believe, a hero that's kind of mixed with the DNA of a bat. And believe it or not, it's not a Batman-related thing. It's a straight-up vampire type of supervillain, anti-hero, whatever you want to call it. But... Some people are saying the movie sucks. Some people are saying that it's really good. And there's others that are just making it into this huge meme, this huge joke of a Morbius sweep. I mean, I want to take see your thoughts on it. But for me personally, I feel like it's going to be a great movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I think it's going to be good. You know, it's a Marvel movie. It can't be bad. But then again, it is coming right after the Batman. So that kind of puts into hindsight that, you know, are they going to compare it to another Bat movie? Another superhero movie? Is that probably the reason why he's not making some crazy crap at the box office? But who knows? So don't forget to look out for that Morbius sweep out there. If I didn't warn you now, check out that movie. Haven't seen it yet. And if you haven't checked out the other YouTube channels, a part of this podcast, The Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo YouTube channels, make sure to look at that and look out for our episode coming up next Monday. I want to thank you again for joining in for our fourth episode here with the Courtside Podcast, the NBA Podcast, and I'll see you guys on the next one.